welcome back to the Nerd Nest, everybody. I'm Bill. We've got uh, Russ and Rich and Kyle with us, and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, first off, I want to point out before we get into the show that we are not doing an episode next week. We're all going to be like, I, well, I know that I'm going to be taking a week off from making any videos at all if I can, if I can. I, I kind of get addicted to the work, like working on stuff. <laughs> so we'll see if that actually happens. But I don't plan on making anything, and there won't be a podcast next week. So this is the last episode before next year. Uh, but let's uh, let's go around and and really quick before we get to the news, talk about what everybody has been playing. Uh, Kyle, let's start with you, man. What have you been playing lately? Um, it's mostly been Baldur's Gate three. Finally. Um... I'm probably I think I'm 24 hours in and still in act one. So I'm yep. know, just chipping away. <laughs> still in act <laughs> one. Which, uh, what, what did you roll? I am a half elf uh, wizard with a conjuration spec. Oh, nice. Very cool. I never I don't think I asked you guys what uh, Russ, what did you play as? Oh, I don't know. Something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, because you guys aren't into D and D and stuff, right? Correct. No, yeah. I don't want, yeah, yeah, I just like kind of picked a guy. I'm like, eh, it kind of looks like me, and just ran with it. So, <laughs> all right, that's fair. I played a druid, and I also played a bard, and I very much preferred the bard over the druid. Although the the druid was also also really fun if you guys played Baldur's Gate 3 in chat we do this show live by the way uh let us know what class you ended up rolling uh and whether or not you were good or evil in the chat Kyle are you good or evil or have you not decided uh, yet I'm I'm doing the what I would do playthrough so I'm mostly good mm -hmm. and uh sometimes uh, I do some shaky stuff you know <laughs> Shady so stuff. He gets cranky. You get cranky every once in a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, minorly <laughs> self-serving, but mostly good. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, so, uh, Russ, what what have you been uh, playing, man? I was just about to ask Rich, but he was in mid sneeze. <laughs> yeah, so, Russ, what do you uh, what have you been playing? Uh, so, I have succumbed to the pressure. I am now playing through Chrono Trigger, and so I am probably a good. I don't know, eight hours into it at this point. I'm so here's the thing. I had to figure out like the definitive version or whatever, because there's the PS1 version, Super Nintendo, Nintendo DS, and I think there's like a PC version and stuff. So I settled on the DS version because that one has uh, even though it has two two screens, you can set it up in classic mode, so you don't have to use both screens. And so I'm emulating it on my Odin 2 right now. And then I have all the benefits because I'm running it through RetroArch, so I have all the benefits of all the cheats and shaders and all the things I love to do with emulation. And so uh, I'm enjoying it so far. I've definitely uh, turned on a cheat to give me like 4x the um, experience every time I finish a battle. So I'm leveling up faster than you would normally, but it does remove some of those barriers in terms of difficulty. Because previously I had gone maybe like four hours into it and I stopped just because I was getting I was getting like stuck at a boss. And so now I don't have to worry about that. And I'm having a good time. I'm it's one of those games where I feel like I need to keep playing until I'm done. Otherwise, I'll just lose the story. And so I just want to keep on the ball, but enjoying it so far. I think the best part about playing that game emulated is fast forward. Like there's so much like yeah. chatter and it takes a really, really long time to get through. And I like just having the text like across the screen, um, like being able to fast forward through stuff like that or slower parts of battles. Um, mm -hmm. I, I really like that. I have not finished that game. 
I played it and I got, I'm not going to say how far I got. I'll just say the word frog and everybody mm-hmm. who's played it knows exactly what I'm talking about. And everybody who doesn't play it, they're like, what? And uh, that's as far as I got in that game. But it's definitely one that everybody always says is fantastic. I'm a little sad that Carrie's not here because he's the one, like, hasn't he been the one that's like, you got to try trigger like every time. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah, we need him back it'll on. Be, it'll be my Christmas present to him. We'll talk about it afterwards. Like, <laughs> hey, I got you something. I played Chrono Trigger. I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. R- Russ, what are you playing it on? Uh, so my Odin 2, I'm emulating it through and then doing the Nintendo DS version. And so it's uh, it's weird because I ha- I tried it through Drastic, which is the default like Android emulator. It's fuzzy looking for some reason. And so I went into RetroArch, messed around with the shaders, and got it really crisp looking. And the 1080p screen on the Odin is just great. It's obviously way more power than I need to play that game, but it's just a nice, comfortable experience. And I like the little clicky buttons. So that's cool. Is- is there a reason that you're playing like the DS version and not the Super Nintendo version? Yeah, the DS version has like anime uh, cutscenes, like video oh, cutscenes okay. that are not available. They're also in the PS1 version, I think, but the PS1 one uh, suffers from like load times. And so uh, I could probably fast forward through those load screens, but otherwise, you know, I just did the DS one because that's kind of what people consider to be the definitive version. Plus, the translation, I guess, is a little bit more mature than Super Nintendo one, which was a little bit cookie cutter just because they were trying to get around, you know, all that era. You know, you remember that's like the Mortal Kombat era. So anything that was risque was just like cut, you know, and so mm-hmm. um, the DS one's just a little bit more adult. So before we get to what I've been playing and what, what Riches have been playing, Emilio Sanchez in chat uh, is asking, have you guys played any of the Tales games? Um, I have to admit, I bought the most recent one to play on my Steam Deck. I can't remember what it's called, and I never All played rise. it. Yeah, yeah. To, or maybe I just played the demo. Yeah, I played the demo for it, and I I didn't end up, end up falling in love with it or whatever. But... Uh, Rich, have you have you played the Tales games? Only a bit of a rise at a friend's house, so not much. No, I haven't. So yeah, I'm curious to know. Have you guys played? Yeah, I played yes. through Symphonia on the GameCube. I really yeah. like that one, uh, but it was a little slow, especially the battle. Um, but Vesperia was the one that was on the Xbox 360. I played through that one. That one had much better combat, but the story wasn't as good. But I stopped after those two. But they were good. Yeah, I liked them. Yeah, all. nice. Kyle, I know you're into JRPGs and stuff. Is that is that uh, the Tales games your jam? Uh, yeah, I've I haven't played too many of them. Uh, I usually am full up with Final Fantasy or something, but I've played a little bit of Symphonia, a little bit of Abyss, a little bit of uh, Zestiria, and I 100% said Vesperia. Nice. All right. Well, I mean, he always 100% stuff, so. Uh, not a huge surprise there, but he mentioned Final Fantasy. I want to get back to Final Fantasy, so we're going to circle back to that conversation of Final Fantasy because there's definitely some Final Fantasy news that just dropped, which I think is going to be disappointing to a lot of people. Uh, but before we get there, Rich, what have you been playing this week? I've been playing a game for, uh, it's called Wanted Dead, and it's actually, I've been playing it for an ad that I'm doing, um, but I really enjoy the game. So it is a combat-oriented action combat game for um, made by the former developers of Ninja Gaiden and Dead or Alive, and yeah, it's like this gun kata, gun fu combat system where you really just 
you can either choose to play it as a cover shooter or you can play it as like you run up to somebody you slice them with your katana you parry their move and then you do a finishing move so you kind of get up in their face i like to play it that way you build up like this adrenaline gauge and you can have like these power-ups that you can do so yeah i'm enjoying it kind of like um like i said like bayonetta devil may cry but a little more simple straightforward uh very very cheeky like the humor in there there's this um loading screen which i'm not going to be able to describe it but the loading screen is the same as this one meme where the rapper like says a line and he's just he just falls into people's arms stuff like that yeah so it's very like self-aware with the humor i always appreciate that um Mm -hmm. so i have been playing almost nothing uh, I haven't had any time to sit down and play a game. I've just been very, very busy. Uh, over the weekend, I was babysitting my grandson. So I haven't had a chance to play any games other than Link's Awakening uh, DX. What's the letter? DXHD, uh, mm-hmm. which I want to talk about uh, a little bit later. But let's let's jump into the news. And I want to before I forget, I want to start with Final Fantasy. Because apparently the team that was assembled by Yoshi P, uh, who uh, made Final Fantasy 16, has been disbanded. Like, they are no longer working on anything. And I feel like that, does that mean we're not going to be getting a PC port of Final Fantasy 16? And what do you guys think about that? Because the game was very well received. Do you think Square is just saying, all right, well, we need people to work on other stuff and maybe no PC port. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Kyle? Or, or is this the, just the first time that you're finding out about it? It's actually the first time I'm finding out about it. But uh, I would say I, I don't know if their team is actually the one that does the porting. I don't know if they have a separate team for that process. So I'm not sure if that affects the actual PC port. But I am kind of sad because I thought that there was supposed to be one more DLC after the two that were announced uh, as of a month ago. That was the case. So I'm hoping that that DLC still comes out. Yeah, so I'm looking at the um, at this uh, story over at Game Rant, and it says, unfortunately, it's been recorded that Final Fantasy um, 16 development team uh, in Creative Business Unit 3 uh, studio head and producer Naoki Yoshida confirmed that his team has been disbanded in re- in recent interview with Famitsu, uh, except for the main DLC team. So you're still going to be getting your DLC, it looks like. So there's that's great. Um, responsible for expansions like this month's uh, Echoes of the Fallen. Uh, he says he doesn't expect there to be any kind of fully-fledged sequel to Final Fantasy 16, kind of like Crisis Core for Final Fantasy 7 and stuff and you know stuff like that. So I think that that's definitely disappointing for a lot of people that really really liked that that game because it was very well received. Like I'm I'm honestly surprised that a game that was received so well, even though it wasn't like nominated for a bunch of stuff, um, I'm surprised that 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 Square Enix is like, all right, well we're gonna we're gonna move on from that. Um, but it, it does look like you're still going to get your uh, your DLC. Uh, any thoughts on that, Rich? Yeah, I definitely don't think um, this affects a port or not. Um, they, we're going to talk about some other news later where we learned that the Ratchet & Clank port cost about $2.6 to make, and that's $2.6 out of like $80 million cost to make the game altogether. So mm-hmm. like that cost is nominal compared to the cost of making the game. So 
presumably it'd be a very small team doing the port, be able to do it in a few months. So I, I don't see it affecting that. Um, but yeah, I wonder if there there was a lot of talk about Final Fantasy 16 not selling as well as previous entries. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's, you know, I know that that's true kind of empirically, right? But I don't know if that's true relevant to the user base, things like that. But even so, I just wonder if it had sold better, would would that have would the outcome have been different? Would that team still be working together on something and how would that go? But yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Russ, you want to jump in here or you want to move on? I just really hope there's a port because I haven't bought the game yet, kind of expecting it to go out in PC at some point. So I, I'm definitely hoping for that. If not, then I'll just wait till it's 20 bucks on uh, PS5 and get it. That's that's absolutely fair. I bought it and I played um, essentially like the intro stuff, probably about five or six hours. And then I got bored and it's not because it's a bad game. It's because I have a terrible, a terrible attention span. So I ended up moving on to something else. I got distracted by a shiny thing. Uh, but speaking of shiny things, one of the one of the things that I think is a, a it's got to be one of the it's going to be a huge upgrade. I think for all gamers, pretty much everywhere are going to be able to take advantage of this. And that is that uh, AMD has essentially released the fully released the source code for their FSR three, which uh, if you don't know what that is, essentially it's frame generation, which allows them to make a, like have a game that generates the frames that it needs to put in between other frames in order to maintain a higher frame rate. Uh, so when you're running something like FSR three, you get smoother frame rate, smoother gameplay than you would otherwise. It's a very much like Nvidia's DLSS. And they released their source code for this. And immediately somebody went and turned it into a mod for Cyberpunk 2077. And people are saying that you're getting a massive performance boost with that game. And uh, it's not really running into a bunch of visual issues. Now, I'm not the technical guy here. In fact, I think the most technical person here has got to be Kyle. Kyle... What do you what do you think about this? And do you think it can be a big boost for everybody, especially people who are playing games on a handheld with lower resolution, uh, you know, games? I mean, uh, the short answer is yes. I think it'll be huge uh, for anything with a any chipset, but especially with the newer AMD chipsets. So. Um, the Steam Deck, when the drivers get ported over by Valve, the Ally, the Legion Go, anything running Windows or Linux will eventually benefit massively from this. And um, it's the, another thing is that if you have a frame limited device, so let's say you're on an original Steam Deck with a 60 FPS screen, you could also reduce the power consumption drastically and stretch that battery out just by enabling this if you just limit to 60 at the same time. So it's not just about frame boosts. It's about frame boosts at any given power output. Mm, okay. Wow. See, now that's something I didn't think of at all. The idea that I could save battery by using FSR3 frame generation. That seems really, really cool. Um, Emilio Sanchez in chat asks, why did they release the source code? Or rather, how does developers benefit uh, more from this than previous implementations? I mean, I don't know, but I assume that because 
if people are using it, then people are like, well, I'm, you know what, maybe I, I know that you don't have to have uh, an AMD graphics card for it because like currently to use D DLSS some number, I can't remember, you have to have a 40 series card, right? Yes. You have to have a 40 series NVIDIA card, but with uh, AMD FSR 3, you can run it on any RTX card and get those benefits. Am I rem am I re uh, remembering that right? Uh, essentially, any any modern graphics card in general. It doesn't have to be NVIDIA or AMD. It's completely agnostic. You could even run it on Intel, and it will work perfectly fine, unlike the hardware-accelerated DLSS from nvidia which is only on their cards and usually only the newest series yeah what do you think about this uh rich i think it's interesting i feel like we are headed towards two different pc markets right uh and handhelds are part of that part of one of those markets where it just feels like we have the super high-end uh, not just I was ray tracing, right? That sort of thing. And then we have just super low end very, and hopefully a lot more games are optimizing towards both ends where the ceiling can be high, but also the floor can be as low as needed. Um, and cyberpunk, well, just CD project red in general seems to be really keen on, on show, showcasing both ends of that. So I'm happy about that, but I'd like to see more game developers do the same. Well, this isn't actually CD Projekt Red that did this. This is a mod. So somebody released the source code. This person made a mod right. that you basically just unzip this in your Cyberpunk folder, and then it gives you the options. Modders, modders for the win. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this, uh, Russ? Uh, I'm I'm of the opinion like just just make it work. So like. I want a console-like experience, and I don't want to have to memorize what number DLSS and FSR mm -hmm. I need to use. You know, just mm -hmm. just make it work like a console. And so, if they can get to that point with a Windows handheld, like that's amazing. And I don't want to know the numbers that are going on. Just make it. Give me a Steam Deck preset. Give me an ROG Ally preset that'll turn all that crap on. And I think that's amazing. And I hope we get to that space eventually. Uh, but it's awesome to see that they're they're making those steps right now. Yeah, and I think that we can probably expect that Valve is going to do something with this because if you look, if you hit your quick access menu on your Steam Deck, like right there, you can see under the scaling filter, we have the option for FSR. So mm. like one of the cool things, I mean, I don't think it works yet on the Steam Deck because like this is a mod that is like, you're putting stuff into your Windows folder. I haven't tested this, um, but I, I would assume that Valve's looking at this and they're saying this could exceeding that exceedingly this could really extend the life of the Steam Deck by allowing us to use FSR and they already use FSR so if they just you know in Steam OS three point eight or whatever they just throw in there hey now we support FSR three point uh, whatever it is you know whatever the number is all you got to do is go over that slider and hit the button. And suddenly you're generating all the frames you need. I think that sounds awesome. Anything to add on that, guys? Not for me. All right. Well, really let's move. I thought I heard something. I guess not. Okay. Uh, let's move on and talk about, boy, we were talking about this before the show. We wanted to decide whether or not we wanted to talk about this because there are there's people out there 
who work in the gaming industry and they're like, if you go, if you talk about this, we're not going to work with you. And I'm like, well, nobody really works with me anyway, so I think I'll be okay. Um, but we just had a huge gaming leak that has been, like people have been talking about it for a bit. Um, Rich, you want to you want to uh, talk about this a little bit and set it up for us? Yeah, so this is the ransomware leak from Insomniac where Insomniac, yeah, they they were ransomed for their information uh, and I guess the time expired and so these ransomware folks did put up the information. There's a lot of like doxing stuff, personal stuff, uh, assets from Wolverine. There's all that sort of stuff, um, which we will certainly not be talking about here. Um, but then there's also business stuff. So Insomniac's roadmap, their exclusivity, Sony's exclusivity with um, Marvel and how that it goes until 2035, specifically for X-Men um, and some PC sales figures as well. So we can talk about those things. Yeah, absolutely. Let's. I want to start off with the exclusivity because I personally, not a fan of exclusivity, never been in a fan of exclusivity. I... It drives me absolutely crazy, and I think that I need to uh, rebuild the scene. So um, while <laughs> <laughs> I screwed something up, add right and add right. There we go. Um, so essentially what's happened here is Sony and Insomniac have said, here's a bag of money, uh, Disney, Marvel. Um, make sure that we're the only ones that get to make your X-Men games. I hate that kind of thing because I just want I'm you know what I want I want people who have an Xbox to play the new Wolverine game. I want people who have a, a PlayStation to play the new Wolverine game. I want people who play on PC to play the new Wolverine game. But Sony's going to lock it down at least for a year to just be on PlayStation and I find that that is really really irritating. But on the other side I like the idea that they had this roadmap where they were like, here, we've got the Wolverine game, which is also in the same universe as the Spider-Man games, which is going to be a shared universe with other stuff. It's kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but in the video game space, I think that sounds really cool. Even as somebody who hasn't spent a whole lot of time playing those, uh, those Insomniac Spider-Man games. Um, what do you think about that, Kyle? Are you... Are you for this shared universe of games, or do you think it's too hard to pull off? Um, I think it is difficult to pull off, but I don't think it's necessarily too hard. But it's only not too hard if there is some degree of exclusivity. Like, that's the thing. If you have five studios trying to pull this off, it won't work. So I like exclusivity for that reason. But I do wish it was not platform exclusive, just publisher exclusive. Yeah, I, I think that's the difference here. Yeah, yeah. The the issue is is that Insomniac is basically they're owned by Sony, right? Uh, Aren't they? I don't. Know. Are yes. there a second party? They are now. They are now. They are now. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, we we've talked on this show, and people have been complaining about the. Uh, I don't know what the word is. Where all the big companies are buying up all the little companies, and people don't like that. That sucks, and it looks like this is uh, this is going to be an, an issue moving forward. But as somebody who has a PlayStation, I guess I'm okay with it. Um, I just wish it was available for everybody else. Russ, I can't remember. Did you play the Spider-Man games? 
Uh, I'm like halfway through, a third of the way through the first Spider-Man game. I like it, and I like the idea of uh, having a universe like that, but I just don't think that can... I don't, I don't want that to be the only Marvel thing happening, right? I want, I would yeah. rather lots of people have a crack at it. So I would like to see a new X-Men Legends game. Like, I love those games. It's kind of like a, you know, Diablo style game, but with like characters I know and love. And so I don't think Sony needs to make that game. I think someone else could make it. And so it's almost one of those things where the X-Men property is so large that you can Give it out to other people. You know what I mean? Like Star Wars, where you have maybe one developer working on a certain type of game, you know, Jedi Survivor or whatever. And then you've got other Star Wars properties happening as well. I'd rather see something like that rather than some sort of tight hold on something so big like that. It's just kind of weird. I mean, even in the movie sphere, they have all these different exclusive deals. But it's like, okay, yeah, Spider-Man is within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But then we also have like Venom and Morbius and stuff. Also Spider-Man related things, but we got video studios to, to make those as well, movie studios. So I don't know. I, I would rather it also not be exclusive, but maybe let the developers focus on their own thing. Like, yes, we've got this story-driven Spider-Man, X-Men universe thing going on with Insomniac, but then we've got other things going on too. So that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, I, I would also like to, like, it's, it's possible that Marvel could just say, hey, we're the ones in charge of story, and you are the ones in charge of gameplay. So this is the story that we want you to tell. You guys go tell that story. And I don't, we don't like you, you know, if you want to, if, if we want to do a Wolverine game, that's a, uh, a top down Diablo like thing, where, you know, not necessarily Diablo like, but like a, an ARPG where, you know, he's doing top down kind of like Marvel ultimate Alliance that come, that company goes and does that. We got Spider-Man doing, you know, that kind of stuff. But then over here, we've got a Cyclops game that is, you know, this other genre, but they're all telling a story together. I think that that would be really, really compelling. And I also would like to see Marvel Ultimate Alliance uh, come back because I, I love those games. Those games are super fun. Um, we had a, a message come in from Dasmi. He said, I feel so bad for the dev teams losing out on the ability to announce their things at their own time. Oh my God, I, I totally agree with this. This is like it takes a lot of the fun out of this stuff. Like I'm, we're talking about it because it's interesting, but at the same time, I would prefer that when we're, you're sitting there playing the, the Wolverine game or whatever, and then Spider-Man zips by and you're like, wait a second. And you find out that's the same actor from the previous Spider-Man games. That would be really cool. Uh, any thoughts there, uh, Rich? about that specifically yeah i i definitely feel sympathy for the developers especially like you know they're gearing up towards this um schedule right it's not just one game it's a number of games and some of them like thinking about venom being released i think there are people that played that uh played spider-man 2 that you know that announcement is going to be a surprise right and so Certainly, it, it was it, it would have been nice for Sony and Insomniac to to announce that in their own time and at, at their own schedule. I want to go back to the licensing because we I, we did miss a few things. So, okay, uh, just talking about the terms of the licensing, this oh, yeah. is this is relegated to four titles. Uh, a provisional fourth title is the way they say it. So three to four titles. Um, it's starting now ish. Whenever this slide was the slide that that I found was. Um, was created up until 2035 so we <laughs> another 12 years um and it is related it is restricted to x-men but they give an example right like 
they say, um, I'm going to read it here, it says, Marvel cannot release or announce any X-Men games on console, PC streaming, or use an X-Men character as a competitive advantage in a game. For example, play as Wolverine in Ultimate Alliance exclusively on Xbox. So that example right there, right? Like going back to X-Men Legends, it it implies, and yeah, it implies that Ultimate Alliance can still be a game that gets made for Xbox. And it can have Wolverine as long as Wolverine is not an exclusive to Xbox. And they go on to say X-Men characters can appear in multifamily Marvel games, for example, Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Marvel retains the rights to children's games and certain X-Men games from the 90s. Okay. I mean, that's all better. that's good, yeah. but 2035 is still pretty restrictive. It's a super long time. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the, the PS6 uh, at that point. Yes. And I know I'm alone virtually on this, um, but I don't mind exclusives um, even like this. My thought is that, generally speaking, exclusives make better games that we have counter evidence to that with things like marvel i mean marvel we have counter evidence with madden right madden is not a game that got better from being exclusive um but generally speaking i think the fact that sony has been a pioneer of maintaining single player full single player focus campaigns whereas everybody else ubisoft uh sega capcom all, everybody else they've mostly moved on towards bigger open world stuff mm -hmm. um i think it's because sony can do so because these games are exclusive and the point is to sell consoles yeah um claudio uh in chat says sony paid for the license why would they make in make insomniac a studio they also bought and fully own create a game also available on the competition. That isn't really what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I, I personally don't want Insomniac and Sony to only be, be the only ones that can make these games. I'm fine with Insomniac, who is owned by Sony, making games only, only for the PlayStation. It's when you're talking about third-party stuff and them locking down the ip of the x-men to just the sony platform like they could have made this deal for hey we're gonna make some x-men games without saying you can't make x like disney can't hire somebody else to make x-men games like those two things can be true at the same time um but i totally understand what you're saying your name has scrolled away and i've forgotten what it is cloud claudio i think so uh, i understand what you're saying uh, all right, um, let's let's move on and talk about Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo, I, the only game that I've been playing this week is Link's Awakening DX HD, um, which if you haven't downloaded it yet, you can't download it anymore, although I'm sure some people would be able to find a way to download it. Um, basically, somebody made a, 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 a remake of or a, a change to a ROM, essentially, to give new features to the um, to uh, Link's Awakening DX for Game Boy Color. Uh, and it had, like, higher frame rates. The camera is now locked to Link instead of going panel to panel to panel. Um, the uh, what, what were the, some of the other things that they did? You can zoom in and zoom out all you want. What was that? Shakes a little bit when you get hit. Oh yeah, yeah. It shakes a little bit. There's lighting, so like if yeah. you have like a torch and you break the torch, um, it 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 like goes dark or whatever. Um, which one of you guys have any of you guys been playing it? 
Russ, yeah, played it. Yes. Russ, take it away. So the first day it came out, I, I looked at it and I was like, wait, you don't load your own assets. I'm like, this is, you should put your own ROM in, yes. which will load the assets, the music and everything else. That's yeah. how mm-hmm. a lot of these work. Mario 64, the ship of yes. Harkinian or whatever that's called. And then even the jazz Jack and Daxter ones. Right. It's, so it's, that should have happened and they didn't, they had the assets in there. And as soon as I booted up, I was like, oh my gosh, that's the music. Like, it's not just somebody playing a cover of the music. That's the music. And so yeah. I knew it was not long for this world. And so I didn't do any coverage on it. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to put too much exposure on this thing. Just let people enjoy it for a few minutes before Nintendo grabs it. And they did. And uh, I love it. I lo- I played a, uh, like I sat down just to test it and I played for two hours and that's the longest I've ever played Link's Awakening. And I've got it, you know, Game Boy, Game Boy Color and Nintendo Switch. I played a ton of it. I got almost through the second dungeon, which is that oh, game wow. is tough, but it's got like infinite continues. Amazing. And so uh, I was getting pretty far. And that's the thing that sucks is there's no like cheats because it's not like a full ROM and not emulation, you know, Um so I was having to play it like everybody else and not not cheat my way through it. And so I was dying a lot. But uh, it was a good a good time. And I love that I could see like so much more of the map as I was playing. And I play on the Steam Deck. And so it even scales to the 16 by 10 aspect ratio, fills up the whole screen, 90 frames mm-hmm. per second. Like, it's just kind of amazing. Were you um when you were playing it, like how far in were you zoomed? Do you remember like the number? I didn't know that you could zoom the camera. I kept it at the default. Oh, time. you can zoom the camera impressive. in really close, but you can also zoom the camera out so so far that you can see the, the entire island all at once, which That's is crazy. is really crazy. Um, Rich, what do you think about it? Have you played it? Yes, I played about an hour. I like the zoom scale at one, where you can see it's basically like one pixel for one pixel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really fills up the screen nicely. Um, you know. I, I find it to be, I, obviously, Russ, it sounds like it's your first time really making it that far, but um, some people kind of feel like it, this shouldn't be the first experience for the game because you can you can see, well, I guess in your case, you can't see past, you know, the, the, the screen that you're on, but if people are zooming out, then they can. It's so mm-hmm. beautiful, the Steam Deck OLED. Um, it is. But if nothing else, it's a perfect way to replay the game and this is a very replayable game it's one of my favorite games ever so yeah i think it's a really replayable game and this is a good way to to run through it again it is so much more deep than i thought it's so much more deep than i thought you know i only played the first 30 minutes over and over again all the time i do testing (laughs) and stuff there is so much to it i didn't know you could jump and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. I'm jumping and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. You know, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I really, really excited to play through it more. Originally on the Game Boy, they had that ridiculous limitation of only two buttons. So you only had two things that you could ever do at once. And so the inventory management was a an absolute nightmare. You know, you could only ever have a sword and a shield or the sword and the rock's feather or the shield in some other thing. That you couldn't, you couldn't just have whatever you wanted whenever. One of the things that this does is it gives you four because you have four buttons, and that yeah. makes it so much better. Kyle, have you played it? The the original, yeah, yeah. I played the original and the uh, Switch remake, but I haven't played the HD. So, what did you think of the Switch remake? Because Russ hasn't played the Switch. Rich, have you played the Switch remake? Yeah. Okay, so what what did you guys think of the Switch remake? Go ahead, Kyle. Uh, I like I like I like the art style, but it played a little too floaty for me. 
Mm. Um, it wasn't, especially at the 30 frames, it just, it felt like it was lagging behind all the time. And then it had frame rate issues too. Uh, when emulated, it plays really well. And I really liked it there. But actually, like on the actual Switch, it was, it was kind of, it was too slow for me. What about you, uh, Rich? Yeah, I like the 60 FPS mod for sure. That's uh, you really need that for Link's Awakening on the Switch. Um, I think it's a good game. I, I I think it's worth the remake, worth the the price. I still have a fondness for the original, so I like I gravitate more towards DXHD. Um, I also am someone that gravitated more towards uh, AM2R versus Metroid's uh, Samus Returns. So I don't, I don't know if I just it's it's the pixel art or what, but that was yeah I I prefer those uh, remakes over the official ones. Yeah, the pixel art in this game is fantastic, and you know whoa my camera is gone. Um, am I, can you guys still hear me? We hear I can you. hear, I hear you. you. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll have to fix it in a second. Um, the the pixel but is is really really great. Um, the the pixel art is really great. I love the art style of um, the the remake that Nintendo made. I know that people had problems with the frame rate. I had zero problem. I mean, I know that there were frame rate issues, but I just didn't care as I was playing. I thought it was it was fine, and I played through that whole game, loved every second of it. Um, and I want them to use that same. Uh, that same engine and art style to remake uh, A Link to the Past because that's that's one of my all-time favorite Zelda games. I always, I've, I've beat it a couple times. It's it's absolutely fantastic, but the art style with that tilt-shift effect is just gorgeous. Um, Rich, can you take over while I fix my camera? Yeah, absolutely. All right, lead, lead the show. I'll be right back. All one right, thing I was going to add is I hope that they do the Oracle games too. You know, if they uh, if they're yes. able to do Link's Awakening with that same engine and stuff, I feel like it would be a pretty easy move to to add those as well. Maybe they just don't have the recognition as Link's Awakening, and so then maybe they didn't go that route. But man, that would have been. I think great. it's a licensing issue because with the Oracle Capcom? games were also in yeah with Capcom. I oh, don't know true. if they still have a working relationship. I'm not well, sure. Well then, well then, do that. Do that, Nintendo. <laughs> make an agreement <laughs> with Capcom. Bring the two Oracle games and Minish Cap and remake them in in yeah. this art style. I would love that. That would Minish be Minish Cap, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Maybe maybe Capcom will just do it themselves. They'll call it like Long's Awakening or something. <laughs> <laughs> I would buy that. <laughs> Bill, you're awakening. back. I am, and uh, you guys can see me. Unfortunately for you. Um, all right. Uh, let's, I guess we move on to some games that get canceled. And I think a lot of us are sad about that. Uh, we've got two games that were canceled, uh, that we just found out about one, uh, that was a leak. And then the other one was, was not a leak. Uh, we'll start with Naughty Dog. Uh, they canceled their, uh, Last of Us online game, which I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not somebody who played the Last of Us. I loved the movie, and I can't believe that they're going to cancel a game that's related to this IP that or TV show uh, that's related to this IP that everybody was talking about last year. So, like, that's crazy to me. But when you look at, you know, the Naughty Dog, they are known for single player games, and this is not something that's usually in their wheelhouse. There were some people that were saying that. You know, folks at Sony were pushing them to do this because they, you know, there's such a 
a tight relationship there. And as soon as Jim Ryan vanished uh, or announced his retirement, <laughs> they were like, all right, screw this. I'm not doing this. So I, who knows what the, what the real issue is, uh, but it's canceled and it's canceled in favor of them focusing on more single player stuff. Rich, I know that you had some opinions on this. Um, mm-hmm. get, like, tell us, tell us what you think. Yeah, so I think I think that factions, uh, the Last of Us factions. I, I never played it. Um, I I played Uncharted multiplayer, oddly enough, like Uncharted One. It was I think it was Uncharted One. It was pretty good. Um, but yeah, Last of Us factions I think had like a cult following. So I feel bad for those folks that have been waiting for like five plus years for the Last of Us Online. Um, I think this sort of reveals that like Sony is correcting course. Um, this and other news from earlier, right? Earlier in the year or the quarter where Sony is apparently cutting like six out of their 12 live service games or something like that. So they seem to be getting rid of a lot of their live service plans. And maybe that is because like you said, Jim Ryan is retiring. Um, so I think it's interesting that Sony in general is going to focus more on single player games or at least seemingly so, but Naughty Dog explicitly so right they said that this a live service game would just take too much of their resources to commit to working on so they could either work on that for like forever indefinitely or they could work on several single player games and i think you know many of us would prefer many of us on this cast and in the comments would prefer the latter yeah i think so uh russ jump in there yeah uh you know i I remember all those multiplayer like options coming out like with Uncharted and with like Mass Effect and stuff. And it's like I never had any interest in it because I don't know for me, like let's take Uncharted as an example. And Last of Us definitely falls in this for me as well. You play through this story and you like you you connect with these characters and what they're living through and all these other things. Right. And it's it's like the narrative and the story part is what I love about those types of games. The last thing I want to do is get in a room and shoot other versions of myself like for fun. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, it just doesn't sound like I, I love multiplayer games, you know, in a certain context, but I don't want to turn my single player game into a multiplayer game or, you know, in any way compromise on that single player experience in order to have that multiplayer thing. And so even though I've went through that whole era, you know, the PS3 era in particular, where there was like multiplayer components to the single player games, I never touched them. I just wanted to play through the story and I was ready to move on to the next one after that. Yeah, I, um, you know, we, we had Bungie, or Bungie was acquired by PlayStation, and one of the things that they said was that they wanted, Sony wanted their knowledge of how to run live service games, which is ironic because Bungie's not doing so hot right now. I know, Russ, you're a big fan of, of uh, Destiny 2, but uh, like a lot of people are very unhappy with what's happening over there. Yeah. And then, like... I don't know if this is a reaction to what Microsoft is doing, but for them to suddenly, like they spent a lot of money. Do you guys remember how much they spent on Bungie? Two billion? No, more than that, right? I think it was four billion, which like is nothing when you compare it to Microsoft acquiring Activision, but like that's, it's a crazy amount of money. And the reason that they, they went there they said was to get these uh, games as a service games out there. And now they're just like, all right, I guess, I guess we don't want these, which is fine. It's just, I feel like whiplash 
uh, how quick they're they're changing direction. Um, what do you think about this, Kyle? Are, are you somebody who was interested in Last of Us Online at all? I wasn't really interested in this game in particular. Um, but I mean, Naughty Dog has one of the like best single player like heritages of any studio out there. I mean, it's been around for what twenty five years now or something, and. Um, with how third rail the entire serv like live service games genre is, I'm glad that they're not being forced to put it out and then doing yeah. it badly on accident and then dying as a mm -hmm. result. Um, what I think is that Sony bought Bungie so they can maintain their live service segment and they can not lose a ton of money from other studios doing things that they aren't good at. And uh, like just that siloing and the the proper responsibility assignment, I think is much better than a lot of other uh, companies like Embracer or Activision has been in the past, where they force studios to make games that they're not like comfortable or familiar with, and then they just kill them as soon as it doesn't turn out to be some blockbuster. I yeah, think and Embracer Group's terrible at, at just kill, buying yeah. companies and shutting them down. What were you saying, Rich? Not not to mess up the time splitter segue, but um, <laughs> because time splitters <laughs> is embrace related also. Um, but yeah, I think that there's an interesting wrinkle to the bungee thing too, right? Because uh, I, I hope I don't get my facts wrong, but isn't the scenario where Bungie is not doing well right now, aren't they like potentially maybe where the Sony may step in now and take control of Bungie? Whereas they had some autonomy before, but if things get worse, Sony's going to step in and take control of Bungie. Is that right? Yeah, that's the narrative yes. I've seen. Is that like in order to avoid a takeover, they've been doing these layoffs and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So that's definitely going to be an interesting wrinkle if that kind of comes to fruition too, especially with what Kyle is saying and you know potentially Bungie being uh, maybe a satellite studio for these other studios to do these live service projects. Well, you mentioned time splitters. Uh, let's segue to that. Go ahead, uh, Rich. Yeah, man. So, for, uh, Free Radical, who are the developers of Time Splitters One, Two, and Three, and they were previously made of folks that were part of Rare when Rare made GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. So they have this like first-person console, first-person shooter heritage. Um, but they were at some point with all the Embracer acquisitions, they were uh, acquired by Embracer, and then they were shut down in this last week. And as part of that shutdown, we learned that they were actually working on a Time Splitters 2 remake. Time Splitters 2 is arguably the best game in, in that series. Uh, Time Splitters Future Perfect is also up there. So I, I don't I want to, you know, shout out Time Splitters Future Perfect as well. Um, but Time Splitters 2, uh, the demo kind of notoriously had a mission that was very much like the first mission of Goldeneye, uh, the dam. <laughs> so that, that was really fun. Um, so yeah, it was being remade. They so one of the artists is now like showcasing the art from that remake and it looks amazing. So I'm really disappointed that this was canceled. I, I generally don't hold too much, um, not nostalgia, but like I'm, a, I understand that businesses get, a, get acquired, get shut down. IP changes hands. So I'm not too tied to that, but I guess with time splitters, I, I have a closer tie to that one. So I'm going to have everybody yelling at me in chat. You guys are all going to be mad at me. No, it's cool. It's cult I, classic. I don't even know what it is. Like, yeah. I've heard of Time Splitters. 
but I've never played it, and I don't know what it is. Somebody educate me. So they're like the spiritual successor to GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. Like they feel like those games. And so that's what really resonated. And and they came out in the PS2 and GameCube era. So it's like the next generation of those GoldenEye, because they were making 007 games on the GameCube and stuff. I had those games. They were not good. And so Time Splitters (laughs) was like that alternative where it was uh, was actually fun and playable. They had a split screen mechanic, so four on four kind of thing, and exactly like GoldenEye. And that was a lot of fun. We played a lot of hours of that. And I think... Time Splitters 1 was the first game I saw that had like reasonable map making components on a console first person shooter. Okay. I didn't even know that. that was there. That's fine. I, I that's, we played that's bots. crazy. Yeah, the big thing was the bots. Like they had good bots. And so very good bots. Do, if there was only like two of us, we'd be like, okay, well, let's make a room of the two of us and all these bots. And we would like just kind of make these scenarios for us. That was we only played time splitters too. So I don't know about the others, but I don't remember a level component, but that's pretty awesome to have that. Yeah. It, yeah. Does it hold up today? Like if I went if I want to go back and play it in emulation, am I gonna enjoy myself or am I have, have I missed the, the train now that the remake is canceled? Uh, it's still playable now, I would say. So the nice thing about it is that it is a true t- twin stick shooter game. So you can go in, you have to adjust like the inverted and all that stuff because they were still there during that era where it was inverted by default, I think, which I loved. And so uh, it is a still a true twin stick shooter. But there are some wonky things like you press one of the buttons to like do the whole golden eye where you just move the gun and not you, you know, like they have that thing going on still. So it's not true like aiming down the sights that we're used to now with a modern first person shooter, but it's pretty close. And so I still, I tested a lot and an emulation and it's a fun game to play. All right. Maybe I will, uh, uh, try it out. Um, Kyle, did you, are, were you a big fan of time splitters? Uh, I played, I think it was one, uh, quite a bit over at my friend's house, but I never actually owned one and I only ever played the multiplayer. So I would love to go back and play the single player sometime. Um, and I was kind of hoping that I could go into it with this, but uh, apparently not. Yeah, I guess I guess not. It's absolutely disappointing that with that another thing gets canceled from Embracer Group. Like they just keep buying stuff and then shutting them down. And I almost think that like they're doing this so like you buy something and then you you if they're close to releasing something you release it, but if not you shut it down and then you can use their losses. And, and I'm just guessing. But you can then use right. their losses as like a tax write-off or whatever, so that you're you've lost money, and that way, I don't know. It just seems it seems bad, and they're buying so much stuff, and it's just vanishing. And like it, it makes me worry about like game preservation. Like now that like these companies, some of these companies that own all of these different. Uh, IPs properties. like yeah. yeah properties thank you we're just not going to see that stuff anymore yeah so embracer if you want to sell your uh, time splitters property to the nerdness you can contact us at nerdness.tv <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely right sure and then i can and then i can get somebody to to make the game so that i can play it without having to wor- worry about the russ's <laughs> weird inverted controls <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, I think that that is going to do it for us uh, on today's episode of the Nerd Nest podcast. Or a quick reminder that we won't be here next week. It's uh, Christmas time. We're all going to be hanging out with our families instead of uh, hanging out with each other. And that means 
I'm going to miss all of you guys, and I'm absolutely going to miss all of you guys in chat as well. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. Before we uh, shuffle off, Kyle, what's your uh, what's your next video or your latest video that you want people to go and check out? Uh, my latest video was uh, uh, modding a controller to make it the perfect controller for the Steam Deck. It just went out yesterday, so uh, go check that. What what controller did you mod to make a Steam Deck and without any too many details? Uh, DualSense. DualSense. Okay, uh, I'm a fan of the DualSense, so I guess I'm gonna have to check out that video. Uh, Rich, what about you, man? Yeah, a couple big videos at the end of the year here. Gonna do um, best handheld of 2023, best games of 2023. Hopefully, those will be out in the next uh, next week. Let's say so. One should be out at the end of this week, and one at the end of next week. And then what about you, Russ? Uh, so I just released today an Emmy Deck for Windows video. So it's now in public beta release. So before you had to be a patron or to have access to it on Windows specifically. Now it's open for the public. It was always meant to be that way, but they used closed beta as a, as a reason to basically keep it to a smaller pool of testers so they didn't get overwhelmed. And so now it's open for everyone, and there's already all sorts of troubleshooting comments in my <laughs> video. So it's, it's a beta, you know, that's, that's how it's going to roll. But uh, yeah, I spent yeah. a couple of weeks working with the dev to just kind of get it ready and, and launch it today. And so uh, I was happy to make the video like the video for it, you know, as it comes out. It's interesting, you know, Emmy Deck as a property is just mostly associated with Steam Deck. And so if you release a Emu Deck update for Steam Deck, people go nuts. But it's interesting that when you do Emu Deck for Windows, people don't really care. And so it's, it's funny because <laughs> there's a million more Windows users than there are Steam OS users. But uh, it's just yeah. it's just kind of the focus of it. I think is is really kind of interesting. And so we'll see. the The video itself uh, was a lot of fun to put together. It's about 28 minutes of just like really me getting in the weeds about doing a guide, and I love doing those. So a lot of fun. Yeah, I as far as emulation, I cannot I cannot stop. This has got to, this is my one of my favorite things that I have ever purchased. It is the Miu Mini Plus. Um, I used Russ's guide to put Onion OS on it. And I play this thing more than I play my Steam Deck these days because I always have it with me. It's it's tiny, it's light, it fits in my backpack. If you don't have one of these, I say get one of these. Um you know, before we wrap up, Russ, I just got a quick question. What do you think? Mi yeah. Mini Plus or RG thirty five double X plus? Like cause we got the new yeah. the new one. Definitely the Mi Mini Plus. I mean the three five XX plus has got more power to it. Um and it has Wi Fi and Bluetooth now, which is great. But uh what does that mean if you got more power? What what systems are you going to play with more power? You're going to play what uh, Nintendo 64 on a D pad with four buttons? No. Like it's it it you get to a point where you're being limited by the form factor. So I still think Mio Mini Plus is better and the software is better. Uh, it's just more mature. We don't really have a working custom firmware for the 35XX Plus, so it's one to look out for in next year. But I think Mio Mini Plus is the one to get. By the way, the dev for Emudeck is working on two features where it's going to have save game compatibility with Onion OS over cloud. So you can resume your game between the two, uh -huh. MU Deck and then Onion OS, and then also multiplayer. Oh. So they're working on ad hoc multiplayer to work, because Mio Mini Plus already has that. So they're working to bring that as well. So you can play Streets of Rage on that, and then also someone else can jump in as player two on a Steam Deck or on a you know MU Deck running on ROG Alley or something. So that's the plan. That's like that Very is crazy cool. Yeah. Like I cannot wait for that. Be, like being able to play a multiplayer game where I'm playing on this and my son's playing on his Steam Deck or whatever. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I guess I better watch your your video, Russ. 
Uh, yeah, it's because... part of their roadmap for early access. That they'll probably initially put it under Patreon and then release it to the public once it's ready, kind of thing. Yeah, they do fantastic work over there at MU Deck. I'm a huge fan of their stuff, and uh, um, Mia Mini Plus, uh, I love that thing too. So, um, somebody asked in chat real quick. I know I said I was going to wrap up the show, but somebody said, "Are we going to talk about the PlayStation Two not or the PlayStation Two PS Five? Yeah, PS Five not allowing you to resell games." So. Mm-hmm. I, okay, I didn't I, w- I didn't put this in the show notes because I saw it and I watched RGT35 talk about it. And I was like, man, that is some BS. I am not happy about that. And then he put out a video the next day saying, yeah, that's actually not true. And I was like, oh, okay. So now I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> I don't know any of this stuff. What I don't know. Yeah, what so the about. thing I saw was that they are, they put some, it's maybe in their terms or something like that, where it says you cannot resell your games, including physical games. I, I, to be honest, I saw the headline and I assumed that like, okay, that's illegal. So like, it's legal right. for me to sell my games. So like, uh, I don't care about the headline. I just, so I stopped reading there and I didn't follow up on that. Uh, but yeah, that would be ridiculous. If so, I don't know. Does any, did any, did anyone follow up on that? Kyle, Bill, did you get any more information other than that? Yeah. First time hearing about it now. Yeah. It's a, I mean, I didn't follow up on it. I saw like, a lot of times I'm doing stuff here in the office and I will just put on YouTube, shut off the screen on my phone and just listen to stuff. And RGT35 was talking about this because somebody had sent it to him. He's kind of the one that that shone light on it. Yeah. And then the next day I saw a video that where he was like an update on the Sony thing. I was like, okay. So I, I clicked on it and I was cleaning my office and uh, he was like, I guess I was wrong. I can admit when I'm wrong. And that that was like the gist of his video. But I so maybe a whole I, lot of nothing, hopefully. It, it yeah, it seems like it. And even so, it's not enforceable. It like That's it's not thing. like that each disc has a code on it that is is unique to that particular disc. That then when I put it in my PlayStation, is like this disc, disc number 78 belongs to Bill. And so if I sell it to Kyle, uh like he puts it in his his in his PlayStation, and they're like, "Whoa, that's that's disc number seventy eight. That's Bill's, Kyle. You can't play that." I don't see that as being an option. Like they'd run out of codes. Yeah, you I will say this I, makes me think. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say I will say I don't expect that Sony would do this, but I think the fact that we are liable to believe that Sony is capable of this tells us that we are very far away from <laughs> what was that the debut of the PS4 when they were marketing like, "Oh, you can." You can actually lend your games to friends. Mm, so right. <laughs> it, it feels a shame that we're so far away from that, Sony. Yeah. Well, the, you know, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I forgot you were going. No, just a little little thing is that, you know, I thought about this last week and I, I meant to bring it up earlier. Is like I would I was thinking of this idea of what if you could just gift a digital game to your friend, like a one time thing where you're like, you know what? I own Final Fantasy 16. I'm not playing it or whatever. I want to just gift it to this username and then it's done. And it could be done on Steam or PlayStation or Xbox. That would be an awesome service, even if it charged us two dollars to do the transfer or whatever. I think it'd still be okay, worth yeah. it. Be like, hey, Merry Christmas! Here are five games that I already played through and loved, and I think you'll love them. And I don't plan on playing them again. And you lose that game, but you're giving it to somebody else, and it's not hurting anybody. You know, I, I would love that idea. Anyway, yeah, I don't think there's any chance that that would ever happen because the companies <laughs> would instantly be like, okay, well, we're pulling our if 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 Valve did that instantly the the publishers would be like we're gonna pull our game off off steam then 
and uh, Epic would be like, well, we won't do that. And so then they would yeah. go to Epic. It would be an easy way for 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 Epic to win. Um, but I agree, it would be awesome if we could like, because right now I have I got two or three hundred digital games on my Nintendo Switch that are just sitting there rotting. Like there's nothing. They they're not doing anything. Nobody's playing them. I would love to be able to say, oh, all these games. I'll just give them to my son. He can play them on his Switch instead of me. Or, you know, I could, you know, sell them on like a, a free market or, or whatever. Like, hey, I got a copy of this. And that's what would happen. And that's why these companies wouldn't want it because that's going to cut into the people going out and buying like right. a new version of the game. Um, yeah. That's what we all thought was going to happen eventually. But it, it, like these companies are never going to let that happen, I think. No. I can't imagine so. All right. Um, It'd be awesome. X862Go says on Steam, I think that you can let your family borrow it. I have used the um, family sharing on Steam. It leaves something to be desired. Um, Because whenever you use it, like if I say, hey, Rich, you want to play this game? I'll loan it to you. Uh, he, He gets access to my library or whatever. I can control what games he can play. But if he's playing a game on my library, I can't play any game on my library. Yeah, I use it with my son. Um, and I, you know, we were talking earlier about not playing a lot of multiplayer games, a lot of online games. So I typically play single player games. So he'll play whatever. He has to be online, but I don't. So I'll take my Steam offline and just play that way. So it works out for me and my son, but not not necessarily if I'm lending my account to friends or anything like that. Yeah. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Nerd Nest podcast. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. If you want to subscribe to uh, Russ over there, then you can head on over to youtube.com slash retrogamecore. That's with a P. If you want to subscribe to Rich down there, then you can uh, head over to uh, youtube.com slash fan the deck. And if you want to subscribe to Kyle over there, uh, then you, I feel like I'm on the Brady bunch for the audio listeners. I apologize. That was well uh, done. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you can head on over to youtube.com slash cryobite 33. I am of course, uh, at youtube.com slash the nerd or nerd nest, not the nerd nest. I don't know who that guy is. Uh, but I hope you guys all have a fantastic, uh, holiday season and we, we will see you next year, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.